Hi, and welcome to the Medicine for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Stiff. I'm a dietitian turned physician passionate about empowering people to use their lifestyle as medicine. Many of the chronic diseases and cancers that affect our world can be prevented. I'm on a mission to provide you with evidence-based tools and education so you can implement realistic and sustainable changes into your life to combat disease, reach your health goals, and lead your best life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Let's begin this journey together. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Medicine for Life podcast. We are diving into step four for leading your best life. So this is a 10-step series that kicked off the beginning of March. Uh, The last week of February, I did a podcast overviewing what these 10 steps included and that has got us to this point. So each week since, I have been diving into the step and giving you some actionable items that you can attempt at home um, in in your day-to-day life that will help get you one step closer to being as healthy as you desire. So this week we are on step four, and this step is called Macros That Matter. And to clarify up front, we will not be counting macros. So Honestly, counting macros is not dramatically different than counting calories. You are trying to control what you're eating in a way that will get you results that you desire. But the trouble is sometimes we get too obsessed with this counting piece that we lose the sight of the big picture. And with the amount of disordered eating that I see on a day-to-day basis, I am very hesitant to encourage anybody to be specifically counting anything. But I do think that looking at macros on a general picture is very helpful in giving you an idea of the quality of your overall diet. So before I get too far into this, I want to be sure to define what the macros are. So macros are the general food group nutrients, I guess, that our bodies use. There's carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. Pretty much anything you consume falls into one of these categories, and usually it falls into a couple. And people maybe 10 years ago uh, realized counting calories was tedious and kind of ridiculous and that it wasn't necessarily accounting for the fact that not all calories are created equal. And so some people started getting into counting macros, uh, and this especially was a very common thing in the health and fitness world. So macros again are the the general food categories and you can try to break down your diet in a wide variety of ways in general i would recommend that at least you know 50 to 60 percent of your food is carbohydrate and then 25 to 30 percent is fat and 25 to 30 percent is protein this will vary from person to person and if you don't agree with this please feel free to do whatever you desire. Because honestly, there is not one way that is perfect. They have done tons of studies on a variety of diets. And the one thing that we found is that there's no one perfect diet for everyone. And so you should be able to play with different breakdowns of your macronutrients and see what works best for you. 
Some people will do great on a low-carb diet, while other people will fail miserably on a low-carb diet, and they'll actually do better if they're on a slightly lower-fat or lower-protein diet. And so every person will be different. You need to take this with a grain of salt, but a general place to start is about half of your calories come from carbohydrate and then a quarter from fat and a quarter from protein. And so when you're working through planning out a diet, it can actually be really challenging to know what to count as a what part of a macro. So for example, beans, those have protein and carbohydrate in them. And nuts, those have fat and protein in them. And it's not that common that we eat a food that is strictly one category, which can really make it challenging when you try to do this macro counting on a big picture. Um, And so if you're somebody who is not interested in weighing and measuring and being meticulous, trying to focus more on the types of food and food groups might be easier for you. Um, But I still think that this general knowledge is very helpful. And so I'm going to break down what some high quality items from protein and fat specifically would be. And then I'll also include a little bit of information on how to look at this as a big picture, because honestly, I don't think it's realistic to be counting calories and macronutrients super meticulously on an everyday basis, because we all have a lot of stuff to do and this just takes too much time. But I do think that there's something to say about having this general understanding so that when you approach foods and you're deciding between foods that have two different macro makeups, you might be able to have a more informed decision. So I don't recommend that you all go out and weigh and measure and meticulously calorie count and macro count your food. Um, Because again, like I said at the beginning, there's just a very high incidence of disordered eating um, in the world. And I think that that just feeds it and sets you up for possibly going down that path. But I do think having a better understanding of what food is made up of and why we need that is very helpful. So in general, carbohydrate, I talked previously on the sugar episode, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on carbohydrates. But in general, carbohydrates are starches and sugars. Fiber also falls into the carbohydrate category, but those carbohydrates don't actually have calories, or at least not as much as a standard carbohydrate. Um, And they make up about half of our diet. And there are a lot of things that I'll talk about in the fat and protein groups that also have carbohydrate in them. And it's just really important that you remember from that episode, not all carbohydrates are created equal. And so if you have questions about that, please go back and listen to the sugar episode first. And then if you still are lost, um, send me a message and I will happily either clarify for you or do a whole nother episode just for you to help answer the question. Because if you have a question, chances are at least a dozen other people have the same question. So please don't hesitate at all to reach out if something isn't making sense. So I'm going to next, I'm going to talk about protein. With protein, it's really interesting because it's one of those things that people think the more the better and that if I just have more protein, I'll have more muscle because your proteins make your muscles, right? But the reality is just eating more protein does not make your muscles any bigger. And if you eat protein and that protein is more than what you need for your day-to-day cell breakdown and rebuilding, that protein will just get stored as fat just like if you eat too much carb or too much fat. So just remember, too much of anything is not a good thing, okay? So the rule of thumb 
is that about half of your body weight in grams is how much protein you need. This is not perfect, but that's a good place to start. So if you weigh 150 pounds, in general, you should eat about 75 grams of protein a day. Um, And this would be assuming that you are physically active. If you're not very physically active, you actually probably need less than that. Um, But I hope all of you have been motivated to start exercising on a daily basis and uh, would fit into this category. But in general, just take your weight in pounds and divide it by two. And so, and then add grams. So that will be what your, your general goal will be. And so where should we get protein? I'm actually not an advocate for protein shakes. Um, I think if you really love them and you swear by them, they're not harmful from my standpoint, but honestly, they're just a glorified milkshake. They have extra protein in them, but most people are consuming way more protein than they need on a daily basis. And I would much rather see you get your protein from real food. And so from, you know, making a salad that has some of the items I'm going to list here, um, or having a glass of milk, But whatever you want to do is fine with me as long as you are balancing out everything and you're not just drinking shakes because what kind of life is that really? Um, And so what are some healthy protein sources? So one awesome protein source is beans. Beans are so nutritious and so cheap. Whenever somebody tells me it's too expensive to eat healthy, I usually ask how many beans they eat and they look at me like, what are you talking about? I don't eat beans. You can buy a bag, a pound of dry beans, which makes over two pounds of cooked beans for like 80 cents, people. So they are so cheap and they're very versatile. You can make a lot of things with them. Um, And if you have a pressure cooker, you can cook them without soaking them in an hour or less. And it's not like you're actively doing anything. You literally just pour the stuff in the, the pot, turn it on and walk away. So If it's something that you want to try, I would really encourage you to give it a shot because it's a great way to add some high quality protein into your diet. And yes, there's some carbohydrate, but there's a lot of fiber. They're so filling, so nutritious. There's other vitamins and minerals that are uh, within the bean itself. And it's just not the same as if you were to buy that kind of bean, blend it up into a protein powder and make it into a shake. Because that's not going to have the same effect on your inner workings, you know, with hunger and satiety. So um, I would really encourage you to try to find ways to add beans to your diet. And that can be as simple as making a, a bean salad, or it could even be just adding beans to dishes that you're already making. So I make this really delicious um, like sloppy joe recipe that is homemade and basically like a standard sloppy joe, but half of it uses lentils. And my kids love it so much. Um, I mean, they like eat it by the spoonful (laughs) as opposed to eating it on a bun or something. And you would never guess that it had something different in it. And so it's, there's a lot of ways you can add beans to just the regular dishes that you're making. Um, And it just adds a little texture or flavor that you might've not had previously. Um, But they're a super cheap way to get high quality protein, lots of fiber and lots of nutrition. Some other healthy protein sources, so nuts. I am a huge advocate for nuts. I love them so much. I eat them every day. Um, And there's a wide range of them. So peanuts are actually legumes, slightly different than tree nuts. Um, But all of them have protein in them. And um, there are lots of ways that you can eat nuts as well. So you can eat them just as a snack. You can kind of crush them up and put them as a topping on cereal or yogurt. 
Um, you can bake them into baked goods, and you can even blend them up um, and use them as a butter, like any kind of nut butter, or in a snack like a Lara bar. That basically all Lara bars are are blended up nuts and blended up dates. And then they add a couple of flavors based on what one you buy. But if you were to buy the cashew cookie, it literally is just dates and cashews. Um, maybe a pinch of salt, but I can't recall if that's even in there. The big knock on nuts is that they're so salty. So you don't need to eat salted nuts. Now, if you currently eat salted nuts, going to plain nuts is going to taste gross because you're used to a different texture and flavor. And so I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. Um, Otherwise, it was in a blog post. So I apologize if I'm repeating myself. But basically what I do when I first transition to something new is that I mix things half and half. And if I can't even tolerate that, I'll mix things three quarters what I'm used to to a quarter of what I'm not used to. So let's say you're switching to unsalted nuts and you feel like unsalted almonds are disgusting. So you'll buy your normal almonds that are salted and then just buy some roasted almonds and start to come up with a combination, mix the two together in, a, in proportions that you feel like taste actually okay. It's not quite the same as what you're used to, but still quite good. And then for two weeks, just eat that. And then after you've eaten it for a number of times, slowly decrease the amount of your current type and increase the amount of the desired type. And after a month or two, you'll probably be weaned off of the salted nuts and actually be enjoying the unsalted nuts without much difficulty. It takes about 21 days for your taste buds to turn over and re- I guess, equilibrate or (laughs) acclimate to new food flavors. And so it's going to take a little time, but I promise you, especially when it's with salty, sweet things, this gradual transition will allow your taste buds to kind of re-equilibrate and be able to tolerate the things that it is that you're trying to eat. So nuts don't need to be loaded with salt and seasoning. They can be really delicious just the way they are. Um, And one other way I love using nuts is that I just make my homemade trail mix. So basically I take all the nuts I love and sometimes I'll have one of all of those that actually has a little salt on it if I'm trying uh, to offer it to someone who's never had unsalted trail mix before. And I'll mix all of these nuts together and then I'll add some dried fruit. I usually like dried cranberries and raisins um, just because I'm cheap and (laughs) dried cherries are delicious but too expensive for me. Um, But you could pick any kind of dried fruit that you like Mix all of it together in a huge bowl and portion it out. It probably cost me $20 to buy all of the ingredients separately, but I make like $40 worth of trail mix from this if I were to buy it in the store individually. And then um, it's an easy way to get a lot of variety for your nutrients and protein. Um, So every nut will have a different composition of the types of fats and proteins in it, um, as well as the composition of the different dried fruits. And so this will give you a variety of foods. It's super delicious. It's easy to portion into a pack and take with you anywhere. So you can have a bunch of little bags portioned at your desk or in your car. So you just have a snack if you end up getting hungry at some point. So nuts are a great way to add protein in and doing your own homemade trail mix can be a huge money saver. A couple of other proteins that you want to consider as healthy protein sources would be soy protein like TVP. It has a texture that's actually pretty similar to ground beef when you're using it in um, like casserole or soups and stews. Um, And it's just a soy protein. So doesn't really have a lot of flavor and the texture just blends really nicely. So you can usually cut 
ground beef in half and add TVP. The protein content is likely equal to what you would get from ground beef, but it's just a healthier source. Um, eggs are a great healthy protein. And just to remember, as a reminder, the white of the egg is the protein and the yolk is the fat. So depending what you're trying to do with your diet, you could have extra whites or extra yolks or whatever you want, but um, just so you know where the different nutrients come from. Then I am not a vegan or vegetarian, so I still eat fish and chicken. And so, um, you know, plain chicken breast is still a great lean protein source. And then uh, fatty fish is a great protein source that has a lot of other healthy items in it that we'll talk about next. Some easy protein snacks that you can try would be hummus, homemade trail mix like I talked about, unsalted nuts, yogurt, cheese, homemade bars like Lara bars, or even homemade baked bars that use um, beans in them. Uh, that actually can be a substitute for fat sometimes, um, but use beans or um, just baked goods that you add extra protein sources to. So next I want to talk about healthy fat sources. So fat got a bad rap in the 90s and we have all seen the repercussion of that. So fat is essential for our health. Eating fat does not make you fat. Eating fat does not directly cause huge plaque buildups on your arteries, as um, some previously believed and unfortunately some still believe. Too much fat and too much of the wrong types of fat can cause problems, but we all need fat. And typically that's about 50 grams a day. Some people will eat less, downwards of 25 grams. Um, you find what works for you. The thing that fat does is it helps you feel full and satisfied after you eat a meal. So if you're eating something that's totally fat-free, you're not really going to enjoy it very much, at least not usually, and you might not feel satisfied. You might feel like you can just keep eating it and you're never full. But you might notice that if you were to go have somewhat something that's somewhat heavier that does have fat in it, that you're filled up with much less volume and that it's not just as simple as fiber. Like it's not just about the roughage that fills your stomach up. There's something about the the satiety that comes from eating fat itself. So I really want you to think about when you look at your meal, how much fat is in this meal in general? Like is it very fatty and greasy or is there just a touch of fat or no fat at all? And I want you to try to analyze how full you get and how soon you're full when you're eating meals that have little fat and more fat. You might find that you can actually eat less if you just have a little fat in your meal. Also something that's interesting is a lot of the phytochemicals that we talk about and some uh, vitamins are fat soluble. So if you're eating minimal fat, your body won't be able to absorb them uh, when you are eating them. So an example is a salad has tons of nutrients in it. But if there's no fat anywhere, like if you're eating a fat-free dressing and you have no cheese or avocado or anything with fat on it, then when you your body goes to break down those vitamins, there's no fat to go with the fat-soluble items and you're less likely to be able to efficiently absorb them. So really try to have some type of fat at every meal. Again, it, it's not like you need to go put two tablespoons of butter in your sauteed vegetables just to you know, say, Dr. Stiff said I need fat. So that's not what I'm saying. But just try to have a little bit of fat and try to choose healthier fats. Before we get too far into fat items to be eating, I want to make sure I cover just some basics about fat. So there are some different types of fat. There are saturated fats, 
monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats. So saturated fats are solid at room temperature. These are typically animal fats, but coconut oil and palm oil both are plant sources of saturated fats. Saturated fats are the ones that get the biggest rap for causing coronary artery disease. I'm not going to get into the biochemistry, but not all saturated fats are created equal. The longer chain ones tend to cause more trouble than the shorter chain ones, um, and the longer chain ones tend to come from animals. Interestingly, grass-fed animals tend to have some shorter chain saturated fats that might be a healthier version of a saturated fat. So um, trying to limit saturated fat would be a very reasonable thing to do if you're trying to eat a healthy diet. Monounsaturated fats are super healthy. This is where olive and canola oil fall in. So these um, are called monounsaturated because they have one double bond if you want to know the biochemistry. But uh, there aren't a ton of these. They're all uh, liquid at room temperature, but they will become solid when temperatures drop. So if you put olive oil into the refrigerator, um, it might actually become solid. Polyunsaturated fats are things like corn oil um, as well as omega-3 fats. So corn oil and omega-3 are in two different worlds <laughs> in the health world. We eat a lot of corn, and I'm not even going to get into the debate here about the corn industry, but corn oil is prevalent in our diet, and it's usually in most all processed foods that have unsaturated fats. That tends to be the oil of choice um, or something similar to it. Omega-3 fats we've heard about all the time, so it's hard to believe they're in the same category, but they're different fats, okay? This is like, you know, the overarching category is polyunsaturated, and then they have groups that fall down. So um, for the omega-3s, there are two kinds. One is called ALA. This is the plant source of omega-3s, and this is what we find in walnuts and flaxseed. DHA is the kind that we find in fish. Most of the studies around the benefits of omega-3 fats tend to be in the fish type of omega-3 fat. So hopefully I have not totally confused all of you about these different types of fat, um, and it just gives you a general overview of the types of fat out there. So what are healthy fat sources? If you try to do more unsaturated fat than saturated fat, I think you're on the right track. Um, basically, the things I talked about above that were protein sources, those often have some fat associated in them as well. Because again, remember, food is not in an isolated silo. It is really hard to find something that is just a carb. Well, actually, it's not hard to find something that's just a carb. That's called juice and soda. <laughs> but um, it's hard to find something that's just a protein or just a fat. There are some things out there, but a lot of them overlap a little. And so when you're looking at this, keep that in mind. It's hard to say like nuts, are they more protein or more fat? Just count them as both and move on. Don't waste too much time doing this. But some easy fat snacks that you would want to eat uh, would be things that are plant-based. So anything animal-based is going to have more saturated fat. It's not saying that you can't eat them at all, but if you're choosing between an animal-based snack that's fatty and a plant-based snack that's fatty, the plant-based one does have more nutrition to it almost all the time. This is hard for me to say because I really love cheese, but cheese is likely healthier than trail mix that's homemade and salt-free, okay? Um, that doesn't mean you can't ever eat cheese, but just keep in mind sort of how 
Often you're choosing one of these over another. In addition to the items I mentioned above, avocados are a great fat-based item that you can add in. And there's something that's touted with the Mediterranean diet. So avocados are loaded with the healthy monounsaturated fats. And obviously we don't want to go crazy and have 50% of our diet come from fat, largely from avocados. And I think we'd all go broke if we were eating that much avocado. But adding avocado into your diet is a super healthy thing that you can do, especially if you add it in every couple days. And if you add it into things like salads, like I mentioned before, where you're getting a lot of nutrients, but they need some fat for absorption. So avocado on a salad would be a great addition. It's going to make that salad more filling. It's going to be tastier to eat and you're going to absorb more nutrients. So I hope this gives you a general overview of the two macros that we don't talk quite as much about and you hear thrown around all the time, proteins and fats. I would love to hear what you like to eat for these different categories of protein and fat. And even I would be really interested to hear what your general macro breakdown is if you're someone who does count your macros and has a pretty good hold on it. It's always fascinating to hear um, different people's perspective on this. So Make sure you head over to my website, nutritionhealthlife.com, and click on the let's get in touch and uh, let me know what your thoughts are. And I will definitely answer any questions um, on the podcast and get back to you very quickly. That's all I have for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to talk with you next week. Be well and take care. Bye-bye. While I make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. The views expressed on this podcast are solely my own, based on extensive experience and research. The views of this podcast are not those of any organizations that I am currently or previously affiliated with. If you have any concerns about views or opinions expressed in this podcast, please contact me directly at lynn.stiff at nutritionhealthlife.com. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another, and I am simply presenting my views on how to... Use diet and lifestyle approaches to improve your health. By listening to this podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice or to treat any medical conditions that either yourself or others are experiencing. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Do not ignore or delay obtaining professional medical advice because of information accessed or otherwise obtained from or on behalf of Nutrition Health Life LLC or Lynn Stiff MD.